0: So, how do you stay motivated if you're a professional athlete? Someone asked. And the secret was to give all that monetary value away.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Emotional Compass. This is Bodhi and Abiel. What's up, Bodhi? Oh, you know, just been thinking a lot about the brain, thanks to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've been thinking a lot about the brain. Um, I ran across this uh, podcast, and for all you out there that are listening, I shared it with Bodhi, because that's kind of how we come up with material for this podcast. And Andrew Huberman, is that how it's spelled out, Bodhi? Huberman, Huberman. we, we... Huberman, I, I I think I must have watched three or four different podcasts that he was involved because I felt like I was getting a little bit from each and every one of them. Although he's very thorough with his information, but his insights on the nervous system are are so different than how I perceived them in the past, and I feel like it's unlocked a lot of good things. What was your take? Oh, absolutely.
1: I mean, he blew my mind because he goes so detailed into the nuts and bolts and the working of the brain, which I always find fascinating. I find neuroscience really, really fascinating because, you know, I, I feel like when you look at a lot of uh thinkers or gurus for example and they're talking about all these esoteric things it's not very tangible like you know when they talk about uh, meditating or being one with the universe and consciousness and or getting even to those flow states there's nothing really you can grasp at and i feel like he brought it down to the human level and took you really inside the brain like literally a journey inside the brain to show you like this is what's really going on with the circuitry and the impulses and the chemicals and and for me it was just like hey let's open up your laptop and look at all these circuits and see what happens when you press a key on the keyboard you know
0: totally he starts talking about like norepinephrine and dopamine and how uh yeah, it's pretty wild. So I, I guess I wanted to start from like what is what is the nervous system? And he describes it so eloquently. Basically, he says that there's five main functions of the of the nervous system. It basically wants to adjust your inner workings with the outer workings. Interoception is basically the awareness of what's going on inside and, correct me if I'm wrong, and the nervous system's ability to regulate how it's doing with the amount of adrenaline or norepinephrine that's pumping into the system so it has the ability to react and to behave in a manner that will keep the organism alive and to prosper. So I, I was like, whoa, that was super science <laughs> and it kind of, it kind of wrong true to me that, hold on a second. So my nervous system is what's causing or sending all these signals for me to interpret. So what happens if my nervous system is sending the wrong chemicals? Then that explains why some people might not feel good or might have, you know, depression or schizophrenia or all these other things that, you know, The nervous system is not firing correctly so that that was that was a thought that came to mind that validated all these other things but not to let's keep going on the nervous system so he also broke it down with sensations you know sensations are non-negotiable one of the examples that he used and this is something that is used a lot um, in hypnosis is to make your your focus or your perceptions aware of the sensations. For instance, if I told you that is not until I tell you to feel or to be aware of your feet touching the ground, then, then all of a sudden, your perception, which is like a floodlight that's bright, shining on everything, goes into a narrow focus spotlight into the sensation that you're feeling. So, sensations you can negotiate them but your your focus or your perceptions are not necessarily on them then there's perceptions which is like what you bring your focus to then there's emotions and feelings which is like the the physical and the mental working together to have all these different feelings so you might have a a heavy feeling in your heart that coupled with certain thoughts will will make you feel sad or you know Or good and then there's thoughts and eventually all those things will lead to actions and behaviors which are also part of the nervous system so him breaking it down that that easily for me was such a big aha moment for like oh all these pieces work together and one's not more important than the other they're all collectively creating what it's called I or who I am so for me that was like For him just to describe those those elements one by one brought a more holistic understanding of the relationship with my nervous system and who i am yeah i found
1: very i found it very fascinating when he said that your eyes are not connected to your brain they are they are your brain on the outside It's like, it's just this part of the brain that developed on the outside that's sending all these, like, uh, collecting all this visual data and processing it real time. And I find that very fascinating because I feel like as human beings, we process, like a lot of our brain power goes into processing the world around us. Because, I mean, if you think about it, there's so much data input that's going on in any given second, you know. I mean, if you know anything about, um, you know, these AI models that they are coming up with to recognize if this thing is a plant or what kind of plant or dog, what kind of dog, it just takes intense processing power to kind of figure out just one little piece of information for a computer. For our brains, we're constantly processing all the objects around us. Not to mention, you know the 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 ambient surroundings like hey what's that sound what the perceiving the person in front of us what they're saying what they're feeling so yeah there's a lot of input that's happening and all of these impulses are getting sent to the brain and the brain is processing this um you know and yeah i, I just found that really f- fascinating because uh he also talked about how all these like Frequency of impulses are, have to match whatever is going on
0: on the inside and the harmony of the outside versus the inside. So one of the things that was interesting was with the eyes perceiving light was that relationship of the yellows and the blues that start triggering the autonomic response system for it to know that, hey, man, it's time to start going to bed. Not only that, he starts going into detail with like hamsters and obviously as humans, right, we could, we could procreate all year long, but certain animals have to hibernate and at some point the relationship of daylight to nighttime will actually trigger changes in, in the animals so that they can't procreate no longer. So I thought that was fascinating because the nervous system is responsible for so much And the fact that your brain squeezed out these parts of your brain out to your eyeballs, you know, when you're in the womb, it's even crazier. I'm just, I'm seeing like, you know, biology, mother nature, pinching off a piece of the brain and putting it out so you could sense it. Like to me, it was like fascinating. But when you were saying about impulses, impulses were really interesting because we internally have a metronome, like we are perceiving time at a certain rate. So when we are in states of alertness or hyper-focus, meaning when we are in a, an event or a competition and we're, we're extremely focused, our internal clock or internal mechanism starts throwing a lot more impulses than are being perceived outside. So by perception, all of a sudden, the outside starts to feel slower. And vice versa, if your internal metronome is going slower than the impulses that are coming outside, he basically says if you're getting a ton of text messages, your phone's going off, you're getting a bunch of emails, all of a sudden you're gonna feel anxious. You're not gonna be feeling good because there's so much happening, you're gonna wanna slow it down. So we're gonna cover more, but in his in his words basically what we're ne- wanting to do is we want to match our internal with the external and he goes off into a bunch of different tools that we could do to either slow it down or to speed it up so i thought that was really fascinating as well
1: yeah and i remember one of the tools that he mentioned was the double inhale and exhale that was just to kind of jumpstart your nervous system when you're feeling kind of sluggish because uh, he talks about the vagus nerve and I've also done a lot of research on polyvagal theory that talks about the vagus nerve and regulating your uh, basically re- regulating your nervous system and that is a very like long form way of doing it but he talks about your dopamine system and basically trying to do that in real time. And he talks about that double inhale where you're inhaling and then you inhale again and then you exhale sigh. So that basically just removes the carbon dioxide from your lungs and then just replenishes it with uh, oxygen which kicks your adrenaline system into gear and you can you know feel a little more awake and i actually tried that when i was driving over the weekend i was ke- kind of feeling a little sleepy
0: and i did that a few times and i was like oh not
1: that sleepy anymore and it kind of works it was interesting
0: when i do that it kind of makes me yawn it makes me open up and uh intake even more oxygen Um, Also, he talks about stress and its function. I think the stress aspect, we've shun away from it. And they did this study in the 1960s in regards to uh, patients that had had uh, surgeries where probes were put in their brain and they were able to tap into all these different like sexual arousal, pleasure, frustration, anger. Uh, fear. And the ones that they would tap on the most was um, slight agitation and a little bit of frustration. I was like, wow, that's that's nuts. And he breaks that down into like those individuals that are able to regulate their autonomic response system and to reward themselves for the grind. It's what I call the grind, the, the daily act of doing what you love are the ones that could overcome obstacles and achieve their goals. So instead of saying, I don't want to be stressed, maybe we should start saying, I want to learn how to cope with my stress and how to use that to move forward. Because as a biological creature, we use stress to move forward. Like, I really like the the analogy of uh, the deer. He was saying how deers could smell water from far away and and basically when the deer is starting to feel a little thirsty, he starts to get agitated. And he's starting to say that if, if you're feeling a lot of thirst, then you start to panic. And if you feel even more thirst, then you might even resort to violence. So even that saying right there gave me a lot of perspective, especially on the community that is being affected by addiction. Because when individuals start, you know, using Dopamine based drugs that rewire their brain, all of a sudden, they are triggered to even use violence to try to match that deplenished dopamine receptor. So for me, that was that was pretty nuts. Like understanding the autonomic response system agitation and stress, how it makes you move forward. Yeah. I
1: actually want to come back to that addiction part because he talks about time dilation, which I was so fascinating Um, but I want to go to the core of what I thought was most of his I I read like I mean I, I heard three different podcasts and I think a lot of his message was on the growth mindset and and this is something that we've been talking about on our podcast, which is falling in love with the process over and over again. But totally. he kind of gives you the, the nuts and bolts of what that is. And he breaks down into like, well, what happens when you start to learn something or expand that neuro or take advantage of that neuroplasticity? Uh, because he says, the best time for you to learn something, acquire skills or learn a language and all of that is up until the age of 25 when your brain is extremely malleable. But after that, it becomes a little harder. But he said there were also tests that were conducted that said, you know, neuroplasticity is uh, available even in, a, in adults. And the, the way you can take advantage of that is basically deep focus. And he talked about what deep focus is. He, he's, he talked about something called duration path outcome. Uh, basically the duration is like how long something is going to take. Path is like, how are you going to get there? And outcome is like, what's the final outcome of this thing? Or what, what's the, you know, what's the end result of this thing? And your mind needs to get into that mode. And for it to get into that mode, you need it. It secretes uh, what is it? Acetylcholine in the nucleus basalis. Nucleus basalis. 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 There you go. Um, sorry, I'm not a neuroscientist. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing great. And and he says, the the minute that happens, your your brain also triggers a response where it says, oh, we're going to like release some neuroepinephrine, which is an adrenaline, and it agitates you. It's like a stress response. And that's why like when you sit down to do something, you're kind of agitated. You're not in that flow state. And this is the part that got to me the most because I was a true believer in these flow states. And he said, you don't have to. Same here. Yeah, you don't have to feel good about something that you're doing. You will feel agitated in the beginning, but you have to get over that hump so that you get into that dopamine reward system where you're releasing the dopamine constantly, whether it's through self rewards or external rewards. And th- this is something that he talked about: where don't get hooked up to external rewards where they conducted that experiment with the kids and they were giving him, them these like stars to draw. Every time they that? would
0: draw, yeah, every time that they would draw, they would get a, a golden star and the kid loved it. And, and then when they stopped getting the stars, they, they stopped liking
1: to draw. So they, they were being rewarded externally. And he's like, maybe don't heavily rely on those external rewards, but sometimes, you know, we, we do we do like our external rewards getting Um, a paycheck getting a paycheck or you know waiting a certain amount of time till you go have a snack because we're everyone's working from home right now so you probably want to like not overdo it on the snacking and eating and i know that's how i reward myself or um, you know i've been off sugar so for me the once a week that i do get to eat sugar that's the big reward for me Um, so yeah, he was like, don't depend on the external rewards. You can self-reward yourself, self-reward yourself, uh, but you can literally reward yourself by saying, Hey, I did X work and I feel good about it. And I've been trying to, you know, experiment with this on my own because, uh, the book writing that I'm doing, I feel like every time I write at least 500 words, I tell myself I did good today I wrote 500 words and I can literally feel myself like I feel elated like hey I wrote this much I feel good about myself so I feel like that little dopamine release is happening because he said that a lot of times we feel like that dopamine reward system only kicks in when we actually get something for example like you know, get a like on uh, on social media or someone comments on our posts or interacts with it or, you know, you get a big bonus. But he's like, on your way to those things, you can also be rewarded. It's not just the outcome. It's the path to the outcome along the way you can be rewarded. And I found that really, really fascinating and how basically the more you reward yourself, you suppress that neuroadrenaline, which is the chemical that makes you quit, apparently.
0: Yeah, that's nuts. Um, He was also talking about language. You know, if you're in a country and you don't understand the language, then that urgency is there and the focus. So the focus and the urgency are the two key um, elements that allow the neuroplasticity. So if, if you didn't get to eat because you didn't accomplish your task before you know it, you would be, you'd be killing it so you could eat. But it's crazy how we're living in this society where things have changed so much and we're, we're still living with this, this nervous system that is thousands of years old, if not longer. And we have to adapt so we could be successful in this type of society. So, when you were talking about the kids getting the, the star and professional athletes getting those millions and millions of dollars, uh, they, were, they were asked, like, so how do, I stay, how do I stay in it? Professional athletes have the same challenge because they're getting all this reward in, in monetary capital and money. So, how do you stay motivated if you're a professional athlete, someone asked, and the secret was to give all that monetary value away, to do it just for the craft. And to me, that was pretty freaking amazing. It's like, wow, you're doing it because you love it, because you love being in that, in that state of doing, not so much for the outcome that you get out of it. And when you were talking about the mild agitation when beginning to write, it totally reminds me of the artist's way. When she talks about, I forget her name, but she basically talks about Julia Cameron. In, Julia Cameron. Amazing, amazing finding for not having a background in neuroscience. <laughs> but she discussed about getting in there and starting to write. And now not, inspiration is the biggest excuse. I've heard that before where for the artist, for him to feel inspired before he could draw, that's BS. Get in there. Get agitated. Feel frustrated. Go do what you need to do. And I think the moment that you start changing your perception on that stress, on that agitation, all of a sudden, now you realize that that's part of the purpose. That's part of the go-around. That's how we're built. So all of a sudden, we're not being held hostage by these thoughts saying, man, man I'm frustrated. I'm not I don't feel like doing this. So I'm going to honor my higher self. I'm not going to do it. Instead saying, there's going to be a, a portion of frustration. There's going to be a portion of stress. And the, the quicker I get into it, the quicker those two things will dissipate. And then I'm going to start triggering all the dopamine and all the good reward sensations. And I'm going to get into that flow, into that zone. And I, I think that was a big take for me. yeah that's that was huge and I can relate this to
1: so many things that I've been learning in this past year for example like you hooked me onto the ukulele which I'm still grateful for and I remember in the beginning I was so frustrated because I would see you play but you've been playing this thing for a decade and I'd be like I want to be there you know and I couldn't even like do a basic strum or change chords and for me I guess the, the dopamine rewards along the way was basically, let me just get the strumming down. Let me just see if I can change two chords. And every time I like got to those little milestones, I just felt so like joyful that like, hey, I can play this because i never thought I could play any instrument. You know, I've That's tried dopamine. to like, sorry, go ahead. I said that dopamine, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I can totally, totally relate to exactly what he's talking about. And I like that he breaks it down so simply because I feel like laymen like us can even understand what the hell he's talking about. And we can relate it to our own experience. And when we're, you know, practicing or learning or trying to get into deep focus, we can try to, you know, start to like play with our minds or, know that we can actually get to that place where we are feeling that deep focus, where we are feeling that duration path and outcome without having to, uh, get bogged down by the frustration that we initially feel, because I know it's really easy to give up when you feel frustrated, especially when you're feeling frustrated for, you know, a given set of time, like imagine if i were to like keep practicing the uke for a year and i wouldn't see any difference whatsoever i would have definitely given up but because i broke it down because you know you've breaking so many things down like you turned me onto that book uh, drawing on the right side of your brain you know which breaks down drawing step by step and that little lines that you draw the circles that you draw and every little step that you achieve, basically you're rewarding yourself saying like, oh my God, I did this and I never thought I could do this. And uh, yeah, that, that dopamine reward system is just amazing how it works. And I love the fact that he said, you don't have to come from a place of love or you don't have to come from a place where you feel like you're one with the universe to achieve something. You can come from a place of frustration or love, either one, because that dopamine reward system does not discriminate. It's like, hey, you got to something, I can feel it, I'm going to reward you.
0: Totally, man. I think for me, it was that book, Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain, that got me hooked into the that basic, that chain, that flow, that friction, that, that really crappy drawing that with the process of, of doing got better and better. I remember back in 1999, going way back, I was working at SeaWorld of Orlando. And at the time, I had a job as the clerk, right? I had to fold shirts, take money, give out some change restock the shelves and you know it was good for a little bit but then i got bored quick which it happens to me so i remember walking by the caricature artist and i remember them doing these drawings and it would always bring my attention like i always thought like wow look at those people they're so good and from an early age i'd been drawing but my confidence with art was never there although I could get things to look good by drawing what I saw, I never had had the confidence to basically draw from my imagination. So I went up to the boss and a buddy of mine, Ryan at the time, asked me if I wanted to go talk to him to see if they had openings as caricature artists. And he was way more confident than I was. Um, At the time, I was like, no way, I'm not going to ask him. So we both went up there and he's like, can you guys draw? And I thought that was hilarious. And he had, his name was Dino. And Dino had the most ridiculous sense of humor. He was just silly guy, which it went great with the customers. So he said, how about you guys do the following? And he gives us a stash of paper and a couple of markers and, 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 and color sticks. They're called color sticks because the, uh, the pigmentation on them is greater than the wax. So basically, you could, you could mix those colors by rubbing them or by, by coloring on top of one another, which is really, really cool. So he gave us some color sticks and some materials, and he said, for these next few weeks or months, go draw as many people as you can. And whenever you feel you're ready, come back and we'll give you a, a test. We'll test you out. So I was like, all right, let's do it. So the grind was to get good enough at doing caricatures to get hired by him. And the urgency was there and the stress was there because I felt really stressed asking random people if I could, they could sit for me. I was like, how the heck am I going to do that? So just going through that process triggered so much neuroplasticity. So that obviously after three months, I went back and I got the job. Woohoo! So that was really cool, being considered a caricature artist. But on top of that, my art, since I was doing art every day, was like art on steroids. Like my art skills went up dramatically, which till right now, I still enjoy the fact that I could grab something and draw something that looks like what I want to. So that's a lot of fun. But to me, the, the real grind was getting to, to be good at it. it that, that And it's never ending, by the way. If you're an artist, you realize that you're going to add skills to your, your, your art till you die. And anybody that's a musician knows that they're going to add skills until they die. And that grind is what propels them to move forward with art, with music, with your relationships, with you dealing with yourself. You got to realize that one of the things that meditation does for you, it, it gives you more aware, awareness of your interoception. But just because now you're aware of your interoception, now you got to have some tools to be able to deal with that, and that's what I feel he was commenting on. That there are other tools out there, like the Goggins uh, out there, that use motion to 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 hack the body, and Hoff, which uses cold to hack the body. You know, there are so many tools out there that we could be using to eventually. Regular, regulate our autonomic response system or our nervous system or how we feel and how we we grind with life so Andrew what an amazing job you've done brother I thoroughly enjoyed your podcast I hope that if you're listening to this you will have a conversation with us because I'd really really enjoy that and I don't know do you have anything else that you'd like to add yeah, I I, I just want to say that when when you
1: mentioned uh, Goggins and uh, Wim Hof, uh, there's definitely a lot of tools, and I, I think he does a great job of covering the nuts and bolts, but not the tools. And he talked a lot about hypnosis, for example, which you're into and you're certified in. And um, yeah, it's it's basically kind of getting your brain malleable enough that you can easily get into that deep focus state and that's what the Wim Hof breathing does because it gets you ready so that you can go into the you know the cold plunge which has a lot of great benefits for your immune system of course or goggins for example where he just he's trained himself to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Like he was talking about like, you know, Goggins comes into his lab and they were like, Oh, you know, we try to put them in all these simulations and says, the first simulation we're going to put you in is with sharks and Goggins goes, I hate sharks. And so he's like, all right, who's going to volunteer to go first with the sharks and Goggins goes me. (laughs) That's I was just like, you're a badass. No wonder you are where you are, you know, because so many people look up to you because you've just gotten so freaking comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, And I guess the cold showers kind of like encourage you to do that on a daily basis. I've been trying to do the cold showers again. I know I did it for a good six months and I got good at it and then gave it up. I'm trying to build my, you know, tolerance for that again. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the the last thing I just want to like touch upon, and I think you can talk a lot more about this is uh, hypnosis and uh, how that can help with, you know, the deep focus and basically getting into those
0: states. So he was talking about three basic functions that allow the, the marking, right? Because when you get the stress and the, the neurons get marked, is not until you do something that it's relaxing like sleep that that learning then gets wired. So just because you went through it at school, you have to have a good night's sleep in order for those neurons to solidify and for learning to occur. The other thing that he mentioned was hypnosis in yoga nidra, which you are certified in yoga nidra. And I'm certified in hypnosis, which is fascinating that, you know, a um, computer scientist and an engineer are into things that science can't explain. But here we have a neuroscientist explaining the fact that hypnosis and yoga nidra nidra works. I'm getting wrapped up because I'm so excited about the fact that I got a a, a neuroscientist to say that yoga and yoga, yoga nidra and hypnosis works. So hypnosis is really interesting because I we could talk another podcast about it, but the hypnosis does work that way. You are aware, you're conscious, you feel like you went on this deep sleep and you're so relaxed and you're able to absorb this information and basically shortcut the whole sleeping and learning and do it all at once. So a lot of the times hypnosis is used for for getting rid of phobias or to getting over things that have been blocking you. So when it comes to being able to move forward in life with the limitations that you have created for yourself, right? Because you've created these buttons or these sensations that you close off to that we've discussed before with Michael Singer and all that spiritual stuff, which is unbelievable. But if you have gotten to a point where, you're stuck, then we have these modalities that will allow you to basically reboot and move forward so that you could get on with the next chapter of your life. So having that information at hand and knowing that there are practitioners out there that could help you, you should act now and just go and do it. If, if you've been struggling with something that has been limiting you for a very long time, just know that your brain has the ability to change, and that changes neuroplasticity. And humans have the ability to change throughout the rest of their lives, which is freaking amazing. As a human, you should feel blessed. And I think I also want to add that gratitude, he's, he's breaking down gratitude um, because gratitude involves different neurotransmitter reward system. And I was like, wow. So gratitude releases serotonin, And it also buffers against injury, wound repair, and it allows us to lean back into the high vibes of stress. So like, I think by us realizing that thoughts can be substituted, it gives us the opportunity to jump into gratitude, thoughts of gratitude, because they themselves have The ability to change your neurochemistry in your brain and to me that was unbelievable but i think there's so much information that i i feel we're going to leave some notes behind for all you to to go through this information and also we're going to leave some links as well so that you could look at the information that andrew has left for us through all these podcasts and he also has an Instagram account as well that he's constantly uploading videos to, which is pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, I checked out his Instagram and started following him. He actually does like little bite-sized videos on neuroscience on Instagram. So yeah, uh, yeah we'll, we'll have links to all his work, like his website and a couple of these podcasts that we listen to. Um, one last uh, shout out that I want to give is to uh, he mentioned EMDR, which is, uh, eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. And this is, uh, a th- it's a modality of therapy, especially if you've gone to, um, you know, gone through trauma, which I had, and I did a, uh, a form of EMDR, uh, with a therapist last year. And I can tell you the results are just amazing. I mean I'm proof of that Um, so if you have certain trauma and you've been reluctant to you know try therapy I highly recommend checking out EMDR find a therapist that is um, certified with EMDR and go and check them out and uh, they can definitely help you with it Uh, I can definitely verify that it works and uh, Andrew Huberman has actually done a lot of research on that as well so once you listen to his podcast you can also see his thoughts on EMDR Um, so yeah I mean you know we've just keep discovering all these amazing lectures uh, podcasts uh, books everything that comes in our worldview we basically try to like distill it, give our own, you know, lens on it and what jumped out for us, and we bring it to you. And we really hope that you're getting something out of our podcast. Um and if you want us to cover something or if there's something interesting that you want to bring to us, uh check out our Instagram, The Emotional Compass, or our website, We're on Facebook as well. Uh, You can DM us, you can send us an email, hello at TheEmotionalCompass.com. So yeah, do reach out to us because we love hearing from you and love hearing about your experience, what you've been going through. And if there's anything you want us to cover on this podcast.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to say his final message is to give Our future generation the ability to be able to toggle back and forth their nervous system meaning a lot of people are hostage to their thoughts and their emotions and their behaviors and to know that there's something that you could do about it and that there are tools out there that will give you the ability to navigate through this crazy life then this is the right place Because you always need a good emotional compass to get to your true north.
1: Ooh, beautifully put. So we're the emotional compass and this is Bodhi. And Abiel. Until next time.